So here's the setting. Jesus is about to enter Jerusalem as the king, as the king of the Jews. And, you know, as I thought about that circumstance, as I thought about that moment in time, my mind quickly drifted to some of the disciples. And can, can you imagine being there and just experiencing that dynamic of here we are following the Christ who just a, a few short years ago met us on a dock and said, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. And that totally changed their their, their paradigm of thinking, of acting, of living. And, and did they really know what they were about to uh, engage in here for three years? I think of Andrew and Peter and James and John and all of the experience that, that they had in walking with Christ, culminating in this moment now where, where Jesus asks a couple of disciples, I need, I need to get a donkey, I need to get a colt so that I can ride into Jerusalem. Will you go do that for me? This news must have spread quickly because as the two disciples or, or however many it were that, that fetched this colt, this young donkey, um, came about, there, there was probably a lot of chatter on the edge of Jerusalem and the people started to gather because they, they knew that the timing of this was about to happen. The king was about to enter the city. The crowds started to build, the, the enthusiasm. I mean, especially the disciples. They had to see all this happening. People coming to the streets with, with palm branches. And as, as Jesus is riding into the city on the donkey, they're, they're yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna, welcome, welcome knowing that now they, they finally have, have this moment in time in their grasp where the king has come to deliver them once and for all. There's another side to this. You see, the, the Pharisees were also getting excited. The Pharisees were also feeling anxious and, and motivated inside, not maybe knowing quite what, what it was all about, knowing... Fully, though, that this guy riding in on a donkey who was completely man and, and what they didn't recognize as completely God was a serious threat to their existence, a serious threat to their culture and a serious threat to their power. And, and one punchline to this story, I think, that is really amazing to look at is, is really found in John 12, chapter 9. And I don't have many slides up here. Um, just because I wanted to do, uh, do this without a lot of uh, distractions for myself. Uh, but John tw uh, 12, chapter 9. So if you turn there, here's, here's what the Pharisees concluded. Here it is, John 12, chapter, or John chapter 12, 19. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, You see that you are not accomplishing anything. Look, the world has gone after him. You see, you're, you're accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. 
Remember back just a few years when, when Jesus said to those few disciples on the dock, follow me. They had built a momentum that, is, that was really unprecedented on the earth. And that momentum was fueled by the Son of God doing miracles, raising people from the dead, healing the sick, casting demons out of the possessed. So we have a time here where there's, there's a lot of enthusiasm. There's people coming together. They're excited. This is great. This is finally happening. And then it's mixed with the bitterness of the Pharisees. And at Jerusalem in this time, there was Jesus riding on a donkey into the city. And there was the disciples watching him and all this going on. And I got, I've got to believe that there was some anxiousness in the air. I've got to believe there was enthusiasm. There was bitterness. There was anxiousness. There was almost a surreality to the moment. And the disciples are watching this go on. And if I imagine just for a minute that I'm Andrew, I'm thinking, wow, here it is. And here's Jesus riding in on a, on, on a colt, some, some white horse. Maybe he said. I might have said that. Coming into Jerusalem in all humility. And I got to believe that at that moment in time, he, at some point, one of the disciples had to think back to Matthew 4, chapter 19, when they first met. Not first met, but... Christ called them, really calling them out. He said to them, follow me in Matthew 4, chapter 19. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Did they know it was coming? Well, even today, this is Christ's call on our lives. And, and that can be found in Mark chapter 10, 43 and 45. And if you want to turn there, I'll give you a, I'll give you a minute. But along the way in these three years or so, the disciples, you know, wanted to become great. They saw Jesus. They thought he was awesome. They seen him do, seen him do all these things uh, spiritually, emotionally, physically. Wow, I want to do that, I can imagine them saying. And here's, here's what Christ advised them with in Matthew 4.19. I'm sorry. Mark 10, 43 and 45. Whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be the first shall be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Follow me. Watch what I do. What does it mean to follow Him? I want to just draw back a little bit and talk about um, a, a human condition that God has created us with. And it's a, it's a little funny as a parent. It's a little comical at times. Um, you know, imitation is what I'm talking about. And imitation is fundamentally human, isn't it? I mean, have you ever seen the, the little kid 
that's following mom or following dad and um, does these things that really are crazy or unexplainable or irrational, um, but they do it because they're watching and as children see, children do. And um, honestly, I was trying to find a video of this, but um, they were a little bit too too serious and, and maybe a little too graphic for the church uh, setting here this morning, but it's amazing how we are programmed to imitate. It's amazing how we are programmed to imitate. And, you know, I think that is by design. In fact, I know it's by design because Jesus is really the model for this. And in John, 15, uh, John 5, 19, uh, he says, Assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do, for whatever he does, the Son does in a like manner. And John twelve twenty six says, If anyone serves me, let him follow me. Let him do what I'm doing, in other words. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my Father will honor. And later on, um, we're exhorted by other, other folks as well, like Paul in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1, imitate me, he says. Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. In Hebrews 6.12, believers are encouraged to imitate others who are inheriting the promises of God. So there's a risk here, and hopefully everybody sees the fine line. Don't imitate the man. Bob, you do a lot of things that are exemplary of, of a Christian. Walking out the principles of God, the principles of love, joy, peace. I want to be like Bob. In that way. As Christ operates in Bob's life, as the Holy Spirit operates through Bob, that's what I want. I want the Holy Spirit working in my life the way the Holy Spirit is working in and through Bob's life. You see how that works? I, I, can't, I can't, it would be actually very risky probably if I acted like Bob in everything he did. Am, can I, am I making that assumption correctly? And, and I would say the same thing about myself. You know, if somebody's watching me, one of you or like my children, um, my job is to encourage them and exhort them through my lifestyle, yes, but hopefully my, my lifestyle is exhibiting the character of the Holy Spirit, the character of Christ as I walk out and, and, and do His will. So Jesus was the model for this, and, and we look to uh, Christian patriarchs and Christian leaders and, and even our, our Christian communities and friends to model uh, this life of Godliness and passion for Christ through the Holy Spirit. But imitation is fundamentally human. I mean, stu studies all over the world show this. You don't have to go very deep into literature, actually, to, to find a lot of science uh, behind this. And I'm not going to bore anybody here with science, but I just think it's, it's interesting that uh, people do look at these kinds of things. And uh, it, is, it is proven that we imitate we imitate to learn. I had, a, I had a coach once, and you know coaches actually use imitation as well to teach, right? 
Offensive plays, defensive plays, repetition, repetition, repetition. See that guy do that well? Do it again. Do it again. Okay, now everybody do it. Imitate. Imitate. Practice, practice, practice. And I had a coach tell me once, it was actually a profound statement that, um, that I, I really take seriously. He said, practice makes permanent, not perfect. Mm. Practice makes permanent, not perfect. In other words, if we imitate the wrong way to begin with, we might end up mastering wrong itself. Not a good idea. As, as parents and as leaders of, of our communities, of our churches, we, we really need to respect the power that this has. I mean, I'm, I'm talking up here as a father, but I can tell you guys that I watch my children at home and I watch them here. And I, I see them doing things at home that Evan does here. I see them doing things at home that Evan does at work. I remember when, when Evan helped uh, build our shop at home. I mean, our boys watched him and, you know, carrying the hammer around, trying to get to the saw. My kids are watching you. And your kids are watching me. So I take this imitation thing pretty serious. And as a church body, we have such an opportunity to leverage this for the glory of God. I sometimes say, do as I say, not as I do. Ooh, what a horrible thing to say. Even though I say this in the hope that my kids, for example, um, by the way, Mindy isn't here. She's in the nursery, I think. She said, just whatever you do, don't use me. So <clears throat> I'm putting that disclaimer out there so you guys all have to keep the secret when I use my kids and, and my wife um, in this way. But if I say this, do as I say, not as I do, in hopes that they act well, they're inevitably going inevitably to do something that requires correction. Um, when, when I see them do something that irritates me, one of the first things I think about is, all right, where did they learn that from? You know, this is after the countless times that I've reacted maybe too quick and irrationally, um, but I got to the point where, you know what, I do have to look at myself in the mirror. And inevitably, when, when they do something that irritates me, I think, what did Mindy do that would cause them to do such a thing? See, this, this takes parenting to the point of self-evaluation. This takes leadership to the point of self-evaluation. And awareness to the impact of this is really the first step in recognizing the importance of this and the power of this is we lead by example. I tell you what, I'm standing here today absolutely certain that I cannot do this on my own. I will fail every time if I try to lead on my own. 
But we're encouraged by Scripture in so many places to, to be led by the Spirit, right? Not to be led by the flesh, not to be led by our mind or, or our soul, but to be led by the Spirit. And I'm confident that as we do this, as parents, as leaders, as friends and family in the community of Christ, that we will succeed as we lead through the Spirit in making disciples, in making fishers of men. So follow Jesus by imitating Him who imitates the Father. Follow Paul by imitating Him who imitates Jesus, who imitates the Father. Follow me only by way of me imitating Paul, who imitates Christ, who imitates the Father. Amen? What is the greatest commandment ever given? Matthew 22, 37, 39, Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second one's like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. It's in uh, water, please. It's an interesting um, Second commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. That's what's interesting about it, as yourself. I don't always love myself if I just take that at face value. But what, what's being said here is, um, you know, a little bit introspective. Reflexes. Tree branch. What are you going to do? Close your eyes, Right? We have mechanism inside of us that, that protects ourselves. I get hungry. What do I do? Sleep? Thank you, Sam. I eat. I provide for my body. That's what's being said here about loving our, our, ourselves. We love ourselves to the point where we protect ourselves. We provide for ourselves. And what Jesus is saying here is the, the, the translation to this is love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor. Protect your neighbor. Protect your neighbor emotionally, physically. Provide for your neighbor emotionally, physically. Because really this is not about you. This is about God. This is about bringing people into revelation and a relationship with God. And the way to do that is by showing love to them, protecting them, showing, self, showing interest for their well-being. So it means, it means to follow Jesus. What it means is loving God and loving neighbors. So thinking back, to that first call on the disciple's life. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now that we know and, and maybe have a, a, an established understanding of what it means to follow Him by loving God and loving others, how do we become and make fishers of men? And what I'm going to talk about is something that uh, Chuck Porta talked about in his um, uh, Life, on, life of Paul uh, instruction here last week. And, and there was just a little golden nugget in there that I just could not get away from. 
And it was, um, he, he made a statement about information and impartation. Almost like it was information versus impartation. So how do we become and make fishes of men? We love, we protect, we provide, we instruct. But this is the part that caught my attention. Impartation. Jesus had a pretty good handle on information. In fact, when he was about 12 years old, he, he blew the scholars away with his knowledge of the Scriptures. You can find that in Luke chapter 2. But here's a young boy that knows the Scriptures front, back, up, down, sideways, and throughout. And he's teaching on the Scriptures in a way that's just blowing these really smart people away. So we're going we're gonna to just consider information first because we're living in a time where I think it's pretty safe to say that we're, we've reached information overload. Have we not? We have reached information overload. So what does it all mean? We are living in exponential times in terms of information. It's intimidating. And I think half of my life at least I've tried to save people by offering them information. Is information going to do it alone? And I think about some of those statistics. And I think about, you know, just the, relating this back to knowing, knowing the Scriptures alone didn't do it for the Pharisees. It doesn't do it for a lot of people. Information fills the mind. And it's doing it at, at an extraordinary pace right now as some of those stats were showing up on the screen. I want to go to uh, the, the, the next slide up there. Who's back there? You're, you're behind the... Oh. There it is. Five senses of the mind or the soul. These are the senses that, that take on information. They're, they're soulish in nature. And, and thinking back to our, our three-part being, right? Our flesh, our soul, or mind, mind, will, and emotions, and our spirit. And the senses of our mind and our soul are, are captured in something like these five words. Imagination, reason, Conscious, conscience, emotion, and intellect. I know that more than half of the people that I've tried to witness to have been in this realm. I'm guilty. I'm guilty of it. I try to convince. I try to compel. I try to argue. I try to debate. I try to provide context. You, you got to believe this. Look what it says in here. Without even going to the senses of our spiritual side. And if you'd show that up, I'm just going to compare the two. Senses of the Spirit. Faith, hope, love, worship, and fear of the Lord. 
what would happen, church, if we started evangelizing this way? If we would start looking at these opportunities to, to help people discover and experience who they are in Christ and what they can do to bring glory and honor to God. Amen. So how do you get this? How do you get those things? How do you get faith? How do you get hope? How do you get love? How do you get worship? How do you get fear of the Lord? Well, I can tell you for sure you're not going to get it through increasing information. You're not going to get it with filling your mind full of stuff that isn't going to be important in two years. Please hear my heart. I have been labeled a technical geek. I love information. I love to learn. Those of you that know me, I, I love science. I love to figure things out. I can't find it fast enough. That's maybe a gift, but that's not important to the cause of Christ. Smart people don't have any advantage over anyone else when it comes to the gospel. There are millions of people smarter than me. There are thousands of people maybe smarter than you. That means you're smarter than me, by the way. My point is, we can't, we can't expect to take the gospel to the ends of the earth only by providing information only. We have to be examples, living proof that Christ is who He said He was. As He imparts His Holy Spirit in our lives, my exhortation, my encouragement to us as believers is to take this seriously. The senses of the Spirit are something we need to pay more attention to. As I'm praying for people, what is it that I could say that would get them to really make a decision? To believe or to have the faith or to receive love. What I'm talking about here is impartation. Jesus is a model for this as well. In John 22, he said this. He said some things. And then he breathed on them. This is, this is my point. He breathed on them and said to them, this was, this was uh, later on in John, John uh, chapter 22, after he was resurrected, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them and, and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. You see the impartation that was going on here? This changed their life. I mean, read the rest of the story. There was something that happened. I'm convinced. I've lived it. Many of you have. When we receive the Holy Spirit, something changes. Love happens. Faith. Belief. You can't tell me that Jesus didn't raise from the dead. I've seen it operate. 
I've seen the healings. I've seen the deliverances. I've seen enough. I know it to be true. I can't stand up here and tell you that, though, and expect you to believe it in the same way that I do. What I could expect is that if, if I was charged, which we all are, to pray for, to lay hands on, and to impart these spiritual gifts to others, it will change lives immediately. There's nothing that has to be learned. It's just faith. It's just the belief that Christ did what He did for a reason, is who He is as God planned and carried out. So if we try to convey the gospel with information only, we're going to fail. If we impart belief, if we impart faith into this equation, the kingdom will advance mightily. So the charge here is to consider this. When we're witnessing, when we're evangelizing, when people are reaching out, maybe the worst thing we could do would be to stop at information. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. Well, I can do that. That's, that's easy. We like rules. We like rules because it, it provides a context for us to be safe or feel like we've accomplished something. Just tell me what to do. I'll do it. I'll get it done and we'll all be happy. Okay? Are we witnessing in the same way? This is what you need to do. What we need to do is impart what we have to those around us, to those who are seeking. Does this excite anybody else or just me? I mean, guys, there's 25,000 people in Lyon County. That's just Lyon County. How many people could we impact for Christ, if we approached witnessing this way, how many people could we, we shape and mold and, and grow into dynamic workers of God and kingdom builders? 10%? 2,500 people? Why stop there? There's, I don't think there's even 250 people in here this morning. And I know we have sister churches in the in the region and, and all that. But I think, you know, we're, we're talking about, um, you know, the early stages of what, we, what do we do when we're so crowded and we're going to have fellowship dinner over here and we've got kids over there. And it just gets kind of messy here when we have 175 people. What happens when we get to 250 or 300? We're shortchanging ourselves. What would be wrong with 2,000? There's enough people around here and they, and they need to know the truth. Oh, impartation of the Holy Spirit changes lives. That's what evangelism is. It's not just words coming out of my mouth. It's the impartation of belief. It's the laying out of hands in agreement that Jesus is who He said He was. The Holy Spirit is here to energize us, to fuel us, and to build the kingdom of God. You know, Paul sums up the gospel pretty well in Galatians 2.20. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. 
I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I want to imitate that. I want to live knowing that I have been crucified with Christ, that that is no longer me, it's no longer my soul and my flesh that's important here. It's my spirit born again by what Jesus did at the cross, releasing the Holy Spirit freely available for all of us. And now that life which I live, because I'm still here, I'm still in the flesh, my soul, my brain is still pulling. But the way I live is by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. How much more should we live in that same way to help others, to love others, to provide for others? So following Him means receiving Him, receiving this cause that He has on our life. Following Him means imitating Him. Following Him means obeying Him. And then imparting what we have to others. Why? To strengthen the body and to glorify God. That's what this is all about. That day, that glorious day where Christ rose again, this planet has never seen anything like it. There's another one coming, that final day, when we all see glory. It's going to be very energizing, very exciting for all of us. But there's many, many, many people who are going to be extremely disappointed. And I don't want to be one that keeps anyone from the positive side of that day. So, sense of the Spirit, is that still up there? I'm energized about every one of, the, one of these, and I, I know that um, most here are. But I can't help but to think of the gifts that we have here at Victory in terms of the, the first being love when I see new people coming in to the church. It's like a swarm of bees to a, to a new person. It needs to stay that way, guys. There's a need for hope. Look around. The fulfillment of that hope is found in faith and love expressed through us, the body of Christ. So as we're charged still with being fishers of men, I ask, I even beg you to consider yourself a leader. Every single one of us from Oakley to, I'm not even going to point out who's the oldest one here. Every single one of us is a leader in the kingdom of God. We're qualified. We're commissioned to bring truth and bring life into this dark world. Look at the gifts here. Love, joy, chatter, 
We love to chatter. It's hard to get the service started, and sometimes it's hard to get people out the door. That's awesome. Peace. Worship. I have the pleasure of standing up here almost every week watching people worship God. It's not that I watch you. I just observe that there, there are gifted worshipers here. I don't care if you can sing or not. What I see happening with arms raised and hearts opened pleases God. It's catchy. People imitate that. They want it. They see, wow, that is awesome stuff. And I want some. Let's lead. Let's lead by example. I'm going to pray. Father, you know our hearts. You know our skill sets. Because you've defined us, you've created us, and you've given us unique abilities. Lord, and, and there's an energy building here. There is a, a, a moment building in here for this body of believers that we call Victory, your church, that I believe wholeheartedly is going to impact this region in a great way. Lord, and with that comes a lot of stuff, maybe even to the point of persecution, which you will prepare our hearts for. Lord, I, just pl- I pray blessing on, on each one here who has considered this message and considered the, the, the truth about living by your Spirit and not living by the flesh or the soul. God, I pray for each one of us, Lord, as we consider the cause of Christ. Lord, as we look to kingdom building as our primary objective, Lord, that you would strengthen us, that you would provide for us peace, love, joy, and security, even in the midst of storms. God, and as I think back to the triumphal entry of your son Jesus in Jerusalem, Lord, I just pray that we would carry that same humility, that same meekness that he brought into that city that also carried with him a complete and utter confidence in who he was and who you placed him here to be. Lord, we want to see impact. We want to see the kingdom of God advancing. And Lord, as we look to lead our own lives by the spiritual truths that you've given us and and obey you, Lord, help us to find ways to be brave, to be bold, to impart those spiritual senses to others. God, because we, we, we know, we know the truth that you've provided through your Holy Spirit as a guide for our lives, as the guide for all truth. So Lord, we just ask right now that you would just keep us safe, Heavenly Father, as as we um, stretch ourselves. By safe, I don't mean physically. By safe, I mean spiritually and emotionally. Lord, I I just um, 
I beg you, actually, Lord, to um, impart your Holy Spirit into each one of us so that we have that guiding truth in every discernment and decision that we make in life. God, and as we um, look to next week and in Easter and the musical, God, we just pray that we would even be so bold as to bring a couple people along. Lord, and we pray that what we have would be imparted to them, even through ministry like the East to West musical. Lord, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you've done and what you're yet to do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.